Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go To 11, episode 99. 99. Wow. Yeah. The, the second of this double release episode, so that we can be set once again for our 100th live episode next week, Tuesday, July 5th, 9.30 p.m. Eastern till, of course, you know what time, 11. You ready for a late night, Steve? Absolutely. And uh, even, even tonight, I feel like since this is 99, this is like the wedding rehearsal. It is, man. And then the wedding is next week, man. We're gearing up for it. It's coming. This is one of my favorite terms. You know the term penultimate? Oh, that's good. Uh, the uh-huh. penultimate episode. 101 is going to be such a letdown, dude. Actually, it's not. Yeah. Better pick a good topic for we, that we, one. We do. You have we, a hot one? We have a good guest. I'll say it now. We're going to have uh, Tim Challey. I thought you were going to say you're having Donald Trump. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to get him. He's booked or something. <laughs> But uh, we've got Challies, oh, oh, Tim yeah. Challies, calling in from Canada uh, on the, that next 101 episode, I believe. Uh, that's going to dovetail with the same week as the Republican National Convention. Huh. So the neat thing about that is I'd love to get a Canadian's perspective on... Uh, oh, that'd be good on American politics American right now. American politics Especially at this point in history. Right now, yeah. Because that convention should be... Uh, You've had Challies a couple times, haven't you? We've had them on once, just once. Just once. Yep, right. about a year or so What was ago. the topic then, do you remember? Oh, it was sort of a hodgepodge. It was kind of a meet, mm. meet Challies. Right. So we had, uh, you know, we had him talk about his blog. We had him talk about the discipline of how do you, like, blog every day for, like, three millennia straight. <laughs> um and we talk about pornography because he's written a written an excellent book uh, on that subject, um, and uh, he had some great insights. I remember on mm. that, um, and uh, yeah. So Tim is a super busy guy, so to get him on is always pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, but Trump. If That's one hundred one. If you can find a way, dude. I, tell, <laughs> tell you my dream list, man. I've, I've said this before. Brian Cranston, Walter oh, yes. White, Breaking Bad, dude. If we could have him on. That would be incredible. So all that to say, Steve, uh, this is an exciting time right now for these go to 11 uh, to hit these big numbers. And, uh, dude, you've been you've been doing yeoman's work. Oh, it's a pleasure. Uh, you know, I, I love coming over here. You guys yeah. are fun. Yeah. yeah we feel and you pay me so good. We so, do. You know? we, we pay you. Well. Dude, we Free do, bottled water. <laughs> I was going to say, we don't even it's have awesome. any adult beverages tonight. <laughs> uh, shame on us, but we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll rectify that for the uh, 100th. Oh, yeah. we got to really celebrate We're going to have a little celebration. Maybe and, I'll uh, bring something that night, too. Enjoy. Hey, please do, man. And I will as well. Uh, Bill Heidel last week uh, on our Guns podcast, remember, he brought that... Uh, it's a pretty good bourbon he brought. Yeah, that was it? really good. What was that? It was a step up. It was. Uh, oh, it was. Was it, was, it Makers? It was Makers, Mark. But yeah, it was, but it was a better. It was a better version of it. Batch. A limited batch. Yes, yeah. had the handwritten number mm-hmm. on it in red, and it was. Uh, very, it was tasty. Very, it was very very good. I've come to that's a newer palate appreciation of my life, Steve. Bourbon, the bourbon. Is I it? Just never had had it until maybe two or three years ago, hmm. and uh, had no interest in it. But it's uh, it's quite good. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll save that for another podcast. <laughs> Steve, I am excited about this tonight because uh, it's just you and I. We're obviously both pastors. You've got a little more experience, a um, few more rings on the tree than, than I have. Um, if you don't mind, Go ahead, Steve, rub it in, rub it in. <laughs> with with uh, Nathan, our professional interviewer, is, of course, out tonight at, at his movie premiere. But I am uh, going to do my best to play the role of an interviewer for at least the start of this. And then, of course, you know me, I'll chime in many times. Yeah, because I'll reverse interview here. That's perfect. That's perfect. Mm. I would love to uh, have sort of a uh, Pastors Unmasked. Maybe that'll be the title. Or is pastors disrobed a little much? I don't know. Yeah, that creates images. Yeah, that, that yeah. nobody wants in their minds, <laughs> in, including us. So um, sort of a pastor's unmasked. Um, I'll start with you, Steve. You have uh, served. First of all, let me just ask you, how long have you been in what we would call full-time vocational pastoral ministry? Full-time is the salient term there. So that would be since I was 26, and that gives it 36 years, brother. Wow. 36 years. Prior to that, though, I was involved enough in ministry that it almost counts. I I was part-time supported as a pastor at that church and helped plant that church and so on. And even going back till I was about uh, maybe 19, 
I was pretty busy in yeah. teaching, preaching, pastoral ministry from then on. Wow. See, that was early because you, you came to Christ when you were 17. 17. That's what I thought, about yep. a year after I did. And so you were, by 19, you were pretty immersed in the work of the church. Pretty busy. Yeah. Were you working with the youth or... Um, you college know, and career, college career, uh, wow. and, and doing some preaching in you know the larger meeting as well. But yeah. uh, for a while there, I had a college and career class that I taught weekly. Wow! At uh, a church near the Pentagon, it was about a fifty minute drive from where we lived uh, near the Bible college we attended. Um, but it, it was a good sized class and a good ministry, and it was uh, more than a class; it was really a ministry. It was more like a uh, group that did life together, a community group or something. Wow! So. Wow. Fond memories, good history there. Long time, and Steve. It's been a long time. Yeah, and I've been saying for the longest time that you're 61. But have you hit? You've hit 62. Well, I hit 62 in August, so it's just right around the corner here. Right around the corner. So uh, let me do my uh, math there. Uh, Let's go from 26 to 62. So that's putting you at uh, what is that? 36 years. 36 years. years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. In that time, Steve. how many churches, let me ask this, have you pastored in sort of the traditional lead pastor, head pastor sense? I've been at three. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And you've been at uh, Trinity, your current church, for how long? Since 95. Dude, wow. That's so great. it's a while, man. It is a while. The, the church has um, had a metamorphosis or two during that time. Yes. So it's, it's almost like the church I pastor now is not the church that I pastored in 95. Right. It really, it, it is that way. It's right. a totally different church. Wow. But uh, been in you know what is called Trinity Church since 95. Yes. And when did you, uh, when did you and Debbie meet? We met when I was 20 and she was 19. Yeah. Um, See, we got married in 75, so we met in 74, and 10 months after we met, we were married, brother. Wow, so cool, man. Two years after that, we had our first baby. Yeah. Off we go. Yes, yeah, off you go, because you just, as you said on the last podcast, uh, celebrated 41 years last week. Yeah, man. Uh, I think, wasn't the day of you were podcasting with us on the guns? <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I knew you had that date down for a podcast, and yes. so I asked her. Now, baby, uh, you know, there's our anniversary is next Tuesday, but there's Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. We have them all free. Which one do you want to go out on? And she said, I don't care. And I said, that's good, because there's a podcast on Tuesday I want to <laughs> be a part of. Dude, what could be more romantic? That's right. Coming with me. Nathan, Bill, Heidel, and talk about guns. It turns her on when I do that. Yeah, oh, absolutely, yeah. dude. Yeah. I mean, uh-huh. you're, you're coming in talking Maybe all the guns. Great anniversary. Uh, that's uh, that's wild. <laughs> so, um, I, I want to be fair since Debbie's not here to speak of this herself. Um, how did she feel back then uh, about marrying a man who would be a pastor back then? Oh, she felt absolutely great. She wanted that. Yeah. She had no idea what she was wanting. And if you ask her now, yeah. <laughs> Might be I, I, I think you know, if, if a young woman said, hey, I, I think I'm going to marry a pastor, what do you think of that? Should I? I wouldn't be surprised if my wife not w- wouldn't say, well, honey, you better really think about yeah, that. Yeah, sure. Or sure. she might say, don't do it, baby. Don't yeah. do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's a different life. It sure is. Just even in some very. Uh, Simple ways, like I, I use this term. She has been a pastoral widow yeah. for thirty six years. That is, she sits alone in every church service. Right. She uh, she sits alone in most of the weddings. I think I have I have two more weddings this year. That's seven. I have seven weddings this year. Wow. She sits alone yeah. in those. I'm up front doing the officiating thing. Yeah. Um, and. You know, we're not like the the downtown Baltimore church where she's the first lady. Right. right? She's, she's right. just another woman in the church. But people view her differently. Sure. Treat her differently. Yeah. There's a level of confidence she has to maintain about stuff she knows about people and whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's a challenging position. Yeah, yeah. It's really been hard on her when there have been seasons of church conflict. Yes. And she sees how that affects me. Yes. And how that affects people. That has been... That that's why she would probably say to a young woman, "You better think twice, honey." Yeah, and I I uh, know without any doubt, Steve, that part of the complexity for Debbie has got to be um, she probably has uh, tried, like most pastors' wives do, to stay out 
oh, of yeah. the drama. But yeah. because she happens to be connected to a rather significant person involved in it, she knows a lot. Yes. She knows a lot of things that would clarify confusion. Mm-hmm. Knows a lot of things that would, um, would, would, would bring a different perspective to people that may think they have access to all the information, but just don't because they, they can't. They're, they're not in some confidential settings, some you know, critical meetings that take place behind the scenes. So she's in that very strange spot of uh, strained and strange of uh, knowing a lot uh, hmm. just by virtue of who she is and who she's married to, not uh, being able to share that uh, and sort of moving forward with her husband who is at times i'm assuming uh not necessarily getting the uh the velvet touch treatment <laughs> now what would make you think that? i just all conjecture brother i just I can't imagine yes, yes yeah i you know i'm i'm sure that there are lots of jobs that i could be into so let, let me pull a couple of these threads together steve uh, obviously you have been a pastor for i mean really your adult life that's it uh, yep. Debbie, uh, your wife of 41 years? 41, years. man, last week. Oh, man, 41 years. Love and that woman. I know you do, dude. I know she loves you. And uh, you guys have been together all that time, uh, raised uh, four children. you got 10 grandchildren. So you, you really, as an active pastor, still, after all this time, can speak to this issue. I, I would love for our audience to get a feel for... Something beyond the cliche of a uh, sermon. You know, I always say <clears throat> it never impresses me when a pastor, um, you know, says something in the sermon. Like, and I struggle, too, with uh, <laughs> with sin. Like, sometimes I don't think I pray as much as I should pray. <laughs> yeah. you know, Give me a real example, Give brother. Give me a real Come on. issue, man. Uh-huh. Give me a real issue. So, in that spirit, talk to uh, me, Steve. Talk to the audience listening in. Um, what are some of the challenges uh, on a pastor's marriage, maybe his wife. I, I'm, I'm going to give you a lot of options here. Children, home life, uh, just kind of life rhythms, all that stuff uh, that m- some people might not expect. How long do we have, yeah. brother? <laughs> as long as you want to oh, go. Oh, man. And oh, and let me just say, I'll give you part of the answer now, and then after I retire, invite me back, and oh, I'll give you yeah. the rest. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. No, no, no. I hear you. I hear you. I can shoot straight on that. Oh, my. There are plenty of things. Let me say first, uh, you know, I don't want to sound like a pastoral whiner. Uh, not wiener, but whiner. <laughs> so um, I, I'm, I'm sure that there are lots of jobs that have their difficulties, either sure. on the job or off the job. Uh, you know, I know guys who have unbelievable commutes, work incredible hours, are away from home a lot. Uh, immense pressures. I had a guy Sunday talking to me about the pressures on his job. His industry is tanked, how yeah. difficult it is now to make the money he used to make, yeah. what pressure he's on. So you know, I know there are all kinds of things. There are interpersonal problems and lots of jobs. This guy trying to get along with that guy. Yeah. So, uh, you know, having problems in the ministry is not unique. I don't want to sound like, oh, we're the only ones who suffer. Yeah. Um, but maybe there are some unique kinds of problems. For example... Uh, you asked about my family and how being in the in the ministry affects my family. And my wife has. Uh, I, I honestly think if if we were to do it again, she would not want me to be yeah. in the ministry. Interesting. I really think so. Yeah. For a couple of reasons. One, honestly, I'm not just moaning. We were poor for a long time. Wow. I can't believe. When I look at young couples in our church, I can't believe their income compared to what, and the stuff they have and what they're able to do compared to where we were. So we were just poor, man, not two pennies to rub together for a long time. And that wasn't fun for her. Yeah. You know, raising kids and no cash. It's just really hard. Um, So that would be one smaller reason. But the larger reason is uh, she's had to be alone so much. Not just alone in that she never gets me to sit beside her in church. Yeah. Uh, she's, she's always alone there, not just alone in that, um, you know, I might be out evenings doing ministry. Like I have a meeting every night this week. I have two meetings some nights. I mean, every night, I mean, Sunday through Saturday, every night I'm gone. So she called our, one of our kids today and said, aren't you two going out tonight? I'll babysit. Wow. And she did that to another one two nights ago. Aren't you going out? Because as long as I'm gone, she might as well keep kids, right? That's her her second love grandkids. But uh, she's been alone so much, but especially alone in this way. 
um, it's hard for the pastor's wife, at least like the senior pastor guy, it's hard for her to publicly, visibly have close friends in the church. Yes. Because other ladies will feel left out. Other ladies might feel jealous. Other ladies might feel bad. It's also difficult for my wife and probably most pastor's wives to be able to be transparent yeah. with her friends in the church. Can I really tell them that right now I'm mad at Steve? Right. You know, right. <laughs> can I talk about that? And, yeah. uh, so she's had to live a kind of a lonely life. Yeah for all this, our whole adult lives. And I think she wouldn't want to do that again. Wow. uh, Could she, and I'm not really want you to walk this tightrope, Steve, of giving me enough (laughs) without digging into person. I certainly want you to share things. Oh, go ahead, man. I don't care. Would would not want out. But did she have seasons where there was a confidant, a a friend maybe outside of the church or somebody even in the church that was extremely trustworthy, uh, family member, or would you say no, she really did? She has had people inside the church and various times outside the church that she would consider pretty close friends. She yeah. could hang out with them, unwind with them, enjoy with them. Um, even there, I think she's always been guarded about the confidant thing. Sure, sure. I don't think she's had anybody she's felt she could really just talk to. Yeah, yeah. I, I hear that a lot, Steve. I think yeah. I, I think your point um, – about uh, church life. Now, I think, you know, many women might feel that in general, but most women in the church, if their husband, say, isn't in leadership, there's probably one or two people that they deem very trustworthy, uh, very godly, that they could share a burden with, uh, try to walk in line, not trashing their husband, but saying, hey, I'm frustrated with him right now. Um, it's hard in general, but you might be able to. But Lisa has said the same things. Uh, of course, for her, it's hypothetical. I'm not surprised. Because she's, she's never <laughs> there are never any problems with you. Yeah. Uh, no, no, but it's, yeah, I mean, what, what are you going to do? Because uh, d- she is fully aware that if I express there's something about Greg that's grading me right now, uh, you know, the guy that is uh, teaching you every Sunday morning and you see up front leading all the congregational meetings and that sort of thing, um, it's – I'm glad you shared that, Steve. I think that is something that gets lost uh, sometimes uh, in the shuffle. Um, Hey, out of curiosity, man, um, uh, this is related. You'll see where, you know, the Spurgeon. Every question you start to ask me, I'm scared. Like, what's he up to this time? (laughs) I wish this was a video. I have the deer in the headlights look. (laughs) I would love the audience to see. Oh, no. What's he coming up with now? with, with, uh, With each question. But, of course, you know, there's that. I don't know if Spurgeon actually said it or if it's apocryphal legend stuff, but you've probably heard the quote I have too, that, uh, you know, by, by all means, young man, if there's anything else you can do, uh, then do it. Mm -hmm. Then, um, which again is inspiring. It's, uh, bumper sticker stuff. I'm not actually sure that's true. Yeah. I don't think it is. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Um, I mean, Spurgeon, great giant, but yeah, yeah, I don't agree with that. But it's, I mean, again, I would say, well, give me some scripture on that. Um, uh, thank you. You know, and I'm, I'm not sure it is there. I understand probably true of his own experience. He, he so loved what he did so much. So that's my caveat. Maybe we'll do a podcast on that topic one time. That'd be fun. Wouldn't that be great? Common um, Christian <laughs> cliches that are accepted as universal. <laughs> that are bogus. Like God never gives you more than you can handle. I don't, I don't know where that came from. That's, that's a preview uh, that we can uh, we can come back to. Um, just out of curiosity, what would Debbie uh, have had you do or thought you may have done well instead of pastoring or have you never even talked about it? What would she have thought I would have yeah. done well, huh? Yeah. I have no idea. But I'll tell you this. We both really, really like music. Oh, yeah. We, we watch a lot of musical shows because uh-huh. we like the music. We listen to a lot of music. When we're driving, we're always listening to music, talking about it, stuff. So um, I don't know if you know this. Before I became a Christian, uh, my big ambition in life for six years was to be a professional drummer. Yes. And I, yeah. you know, I really worked hard on that. And I think I might have had some talent, maybe yeah. could have gone somewhere with it. So if we had like uh, married then and moved to Nashville and pursued that, she wow. probably would have loved that. Wow. Dude. Yeah. Dude, you got to hear the one we did uh, with Forlorn Strangers. Um, the, uh, some of the Dempsey kids from our church here are in that band. They have that, yeah. And they're just pursuing a dream right now. In Nashville. Wow. They're in Nashville? They're in Nashville. They've got their... The guy who uh, produced their record comes out in August. Forgive me, uh, anybody from Forlorn that's listening. Probably not, so I'm safe. (laughs) Uh, Oh, he's worked with somebody pretty noted. I I want to say Phil Kagey, but somebody, and he's he's worked with uh, a few people. But they're living that dream right now. And you know what? If you're in your 20s... 
Why not? Why not, dude? Yeah. Give it a shot. I mean, you okay. might make it, and you might we'll not, and if you don't, then regroup. Regroup, go back to college, you know, get, get on right. with your life. I mean, because uh, Lisa and I look back at times in our early 20s, dude, and think, why didn't we do this? Why didn't yeah. we do this? Why didn't we do that? Uh, we look back now, one of the regrets we have is we feel like we were in the rush to start sort of the typical, quote-unquote, uh, life. The family. And then we think, man, because then you get to the point where all that stuff, hey, wouldn't it be cool to live, try to live in Manhattan, eke out some meager existence in yeah. an overpriced one-bedroom apartment you're somewhere? Uh, and we talk, and said, yeah, we're not doing that. we got four kids, and um, <laughs> you know, that, that ship has sailed. So we tell our kids to do all that stuff, and uh, they probably won't either. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I got us all, uh, off track there uh, a bit. So you asked... You asked about your wife, yeah. and you also mentioned kids, and, and, kids and there's a couple of unique things there that other jobs might not have. Yeah. You know, every parent can struggle with this or that with their kid, with a teenage kid who's unhappy or yeah. one who's depressive or one who's angry or whatever it might be. But um, I, I don't think I manage this well, and if I had it to do again, I would manage it differently. You know, there are expectations from Scripture on what a pastor's kids must be. Sure. And then there are expectations from people in churches, yeah. in addition to those, of what pastor's kids must who, be. Who often think that they're the same thing. Yes. Anyway, yeah. Right. I can't yeah. distinguish between the two. Yeah. And uh, I, I really think I was worried about both of those. Like, if I had it to do again, I wouldn't worry one second yeah. about what people might think if it's in scripture then yeah i'm gonna go by it yeah but i think i really overdid applications of scripture too and i was just fearful about you know what are are my kids going to disqualify me if i allow this if i if i overlook that and so i was just way too tight in my opinion way too worried about that way too rigid about that and i wish i had to do over again they'd have a lot more fun right they could have wackier hairstyles. Yeah. They could have you know, funnier clothes. Yeah, and, earrings, dude. Yeah, you, why not? Let them have the earrings. I'll wear one with them. Why right. not? <laughs> that's right, man. <laughs> now, I won't ask you about nipple rings, Steve, because I know that's a really – get it? Have you noticed I wear baggy yeah. shirts all the time? <laughs> I was going to say no, it's, sir. Uh, no, it's I'm a, not there. a sore subject. A uh, sore. Uh, that's bad. But I uh, – no, I, I – I, I don't know, you know, I've, as you know, you know, I've got a 17-year-old through 7-year-old, so I'm kind of in the midst of this. Uh, the, the book isn't written yet. Uh, we'll know in another 10 or 15 years or longer how my kids feel as adults looking back on their church uh, experience. I'm at least happy about this. I feel if I have a leg up on anything, talking to guys like you, Dave Shive, uh, other men that have been in ministry longer, that have raised kids in it. One thing that I've gotten from conversations with you, whether you've ever, ever said this formally or not, but it has left an indelible impression on my mind is I have failed if my kids hate church. Yeah. Like if they hate church, <laughs> that sucks. How man. come they got that? Yeah. Because yeah. obviously it's a little cliche, but you want them to love Jesus and be into Jesus. Uh, and then, you know, you, you say, hey, you, you kind of do still want them to to like his bride, uh, the church. And, um, you know, uh, not that I do it perfectly, but I sometimes will use as a template for decision-making with Lisa. So, okay, they're going to hate church because of this? Are they going to hate huh. church if we do That's this? That's pretty good if we do that, huh? So it, it doesn't solve every problem, but it's before me because of talking to guys like you that say, hey, if I could go back, I might do this differently, that differently, mm-hmm. and I'll pass on that same advice one day too. Just something to share. Absolutely. As an encouragement to you, Steve. Yeah. You know, also, and what other job do you have to worry about? What will the people in my job think if my kid gets an earring? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah we have I mean, people scrutinizing our kids. Yeah. At least in some churches you do. Yeah. Maybe not so much in your church, huh? And I think the yeah. climate in Trinity today, it would not be so much that way. Dude. Uh, There'd be freedom. Well said. Quick shout out to both of our churches. I think we would both say that. I yeah. mean, really, I'm speaking largely hypothetical. Uh, Christ Fellowship has been very low pressure, low maintenance I love hearing on that. my family life, and I, I greatly respect it. I mean, awesome. I, I'm one, my problem uh, that Lisa always um, reminds me of, uh, <clears throat> and I, I get the impression you're a little different than I am on this, Steve, but correct me if I'm wrong. You I, mean we're different somewhere? That's so wonderful. On one thing, I tend to amplify the, the minority voices. So uh, Lisa and I always say there's a great Frasier episode where um, – he uh, gets to watch like a one-way glass, uh, like a little think tank that has listened to him do his live talk show, his pop psychology show. And then Frazier and his uh, producer Ross are kind of uh, given the seat to look through the glass and see this group interact. 
you know, they've got a question and they say, what did you think of the show? And everybody praises it. They love it. Yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. Oh, I thought it was witty. Of course, Frazier's doing the humble thing. Oh, well, I mean, that wasn't, they didn't need to say that. It might not have been the greatest thing, but I appreciate the comment. It's going great. And one little dude, I think it's like a little maybe Indian dude sitting there very quietly at the end of the table, doesn't say anything. And they're like, oh, what what do you think? You haven't shared. And he goes, oh, no, no, that's fine. I don't need to. I'm just enjoying hearing everybody interact. And finally they press him and he says, oh, I, I didn't like him. <laughs> and they're mad at him. And of course, Frazier says, uh huh. Well, the whole show becomes Frazier's tunnel vision obsession <laughs> with the one guy who didn't like him. And Lisa looked at me, she goes, He's you. Really? She goes, yeah. Because you could be having a great uh, period of time where people are encouraging you, they're being kind to you, and there's one person that might raise an eyebrow or make one offhanded comment, and it, that, it is something I do. Which uh, is not a great recipe for a pastor because uh, I don't mm. think there's ever a pastor who's ever lived that hasn't had a um, detractor. Except the guy who had one member in his church and that was himself, right? <laughs> yes, and then he even started hating himself after a while. Yeah. Right? Hey, we went to a church in Virginia once, yeah. kind of out in the country. But this guy had driven people away and driven people away and driven people away. The only people left there, there were like 14 people and they all had his last name. Oh, I'm not oh, exaggerating. Wow. They were all his kids and their kids wow. and his uncle and his brother and his... Man. Yeah, we got a sort of a good old boy network. That's the nepotism church right there. Is there any worse church for some outside guy to come? (laughs) You walk in, uh oh, my name's Hartland. I don't. uh, I would say (laughs) I would tell that dude day one if he told me, I said, "Man, leave, bolt, whatever." Just say, God bless you. You yep. May the grace of God be with you and get out of there in the New York. You know, this is off topic, but a couple years before we were ever there, I had actually called that pastor because I had a sister-in-law who was looking, who lived near there, was looking for a church to go visit. She was not a Christian. Yep. This was a time in her life she thought, I need God. I need a church. So I called him and said, hey, my sister-in-law is going to show up. And he said, well, you know, church is not for unbelievers. Oh, Oh, man. Wow. Thanks a lot, brother. I'm not sending her to your church. Wow. So anyway. Wow. How do we get onto that? Hey, here's what I want to do. Yeah. The same question you posed to me. Let me just flip it right back to you. You, Lisa, your family, uh, looking back over time, what are some of the unique hardships of being in the ministry, having a wife, having kids? Yeah, I think, um, I I mean, I'll try not to echo everything you said. See, There's that sense, maybe it's more, as I said, in my head than real... But there is some legitimate degree of living in the fishbowl. Um, and, and part of it, that is just the way it is. I do think, Steve, I think you and I have talked about this uh, too in the past. If um, I am um, doing things I shouldn't be doing, if I'm downloading stuff I shouldn't be downloading, if I am uh, you know, uh, developing a pretty uh, debilitating alcohol uh, addiction, I mean, what, yeah, whatever. Pick your vice. Was. Yeah, throw it out there. I mean, let, let's be honest. Uh, for the most part, if I work for IBM, I work for UPS, uh, they don't care until it starts affecting my performance. Yeah. Hey, that's fine. I mean, as long as you're doing your job here, we're not going to care. Not like that in the past, yeah. and, and, and nor totally. should it be. Yeah. It, it shouldn't be. So there is a sense in which, um, uh, you know, I try to help uh, our church see when we talk about this on elder team, caring for staff, etc. You don't hire a pastor to do a job. I mean, he does a job, but uh, you really hire you hire a pastor. You hire for his a life, life don't so you? You, it's, it's, you it's do. Life. And because uh, I I trust if I and were my to life say, is my job. Yeah, absolutely. And if I were to say, uh, hey guys, um, my wife thinks she has turned her back on the Lord, or uh, <laughs> um, you know, all of my kids hate Christianity and uh, have embraced uh, atheism, and uh, you know, uh, my uh, wife and I haven't spoken uh, together at home for three years, and we live in different rooms. Um, guy in the secular workplace, or I, I just say the non-pastoral workplace, is going to say, "Man, it's too bad, dude." Uh, yeah. uh, it, here, it would it would create a uh, very quick emergency meeting, yeah, and that's right. uh, maybe it'd be a sabbatical, maybe it would be a, a termination. <clears throat> you know, who knows? If there were people on that board who didn't like you, yes, yeah, look yes. out. This is their opportunity. This is their, there's an opportunity that's there. So um, I always want to say that that you're. <clears throat> You're, you really should be thinking about the pastor's life um, and the life of his children and his family because that's what you've hired 
uh, or secured financially uh, through commitment, etc. Um, so that brings with it a unique set of challenges. Uh, I, obviously, every Christian, right, would say, um, well, that's how it should be for all of us. And that's true. Our life before God uh, matters every nook and cranny. I'm just saying when there's a vocational dimension to it, that your salary, your benefits, your very life. It all depends to, on it, yeah. Wow. It, you feel that, don't you? You do. Yeah, I, I would say I have felt that. Yeah, I know this will be hard for you to believe and hard for any of the hearers who know me to believe, but there, there really have been seasons here and there where our marriage was struggling. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Is there anybody married 41 years and wouldn't say that? Uh, I don't yeah. know. I've never met um, one. And uh, you know, I'm not just saying this because it sounds good, but probably 94% of those times it was my fault. Uh-huh. I'm the dolt. She's yeah. the sweetheart. Yeah. But anyhow... Uh, I, I remember thinking sometimes, man, I, you know, we got to fix this. We got to get this all right. We got to get it all good or I don't have a job. Yeah. Yeah. Like your job depends on it. I, know. I hate fixing my marriage with that motive. Well, I have to have a job, so I got to fix my marriage. Yeah. Right. That's I, terrible. I know. But you know what? Thank you, Steve, for being real. It's a real issue that can't be denied. Yes. Uh, it has to be factored into it. And I would say, sure, we've, we've had those same seasons, Steve, uh, and, uh, in it, <clears throat> it's always tough because I think a husband learns you probably don't want to lead with that. Yeah, that's okay. Uh, hey, uh, well, let's honey, fix this so my job's I, secure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but to be a man and deny that isn't in your mind at all is crazy. And I, yeah. I, I've never met a pastor that hasn't at some level uh, struggled with that. Or the ones that say they haven't, I just know are lying. So I just dismiss them out of hand. Um, sorry if that sounded cruel, but I guess that is how <laughs> I feel. But yeah, I, I would say there, there's that uh, element. And even small things. See, this is very small, very minor. Sometimes uh, I covet the freedom of uh, the mm. really committed member of my church who loves the Lord, who's very involved, etc. And you might not see them on a given Sunday. Yep. And, um, you know, that Sunday, they, it, it was that Saturday night. Hey, you know what? Let's head out to the mountains tomorrow as kind and of anything. Off they go. And off they go. And I think, oh. It's unbelievable, isn't it? Because for us, dude, it's it's a well-planned vacation or you're sick. Yes. That's it. You know? Yes. And, um, and that's small. That's small. But it is, um, there are times where I, I hear, oh, where's so-and-so today? Oh, they just impromptu. Went off, and um, now I guess if you're in a strict ultra Sabbatarian kind of culture, you might look down on those people uh, for missing church. Some of them do it um, anyway. And I, yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that's either our culture. Yeah. So no, uh, there are times where I think, oh man, it would be uh, nice. Well, e- even last week, uh, we wanted to um, drive out to uh, uh, to a college where you know we were taking our daughter. We're doing the college trip thing. Uh, and I'm not going to lie to you, it was Saturday night. I said, man, tomorrow would be a beautiful day. Get yeah. a breakfast, Wouldn't get a nice? start, pack up the family and head out. Yeah. Uh, and obviously that's not something you can do. I mean, some days we live and die by them. So even, even minor things like that. The other thing I'd say, Steve, related to that, that, um, has been hard. Lisa and I share as, as different as we are, we both are big Christmas Thanksgiving tradition lovers. Um, I had a unique set of uh, you know Christmas traditions. She had them, and we've had fun blending those. Mm-hmm. I, I'd say more of hers are, have won because they're probably better <laughs> and more creative and interesting, and our kids like them. But I, we love Christmas. I mean, dude, we just go nuts on the music. We love the you know, the whole decorating thing, and our kids get into it. And uh, and and I want to say this: I love the church at Christmas. Uh, I think there's uh, some songs you do. I love taking advantage particularly um, in, in a post-Christian culture, that, hey, it's a one time a year, people might yeah. go to church. and you can get, So right. uh, all the caveats, I love it, that there are times where it's like, man, our, our Christmas Eves aren't, aren't so great. <laughs> um, and, I, again, I covet sometimes to talk to families. Oh, we, maybe we, we went to church, maybe we didn't, but we did this, we did that. And I'm like, yeah, ours are pretty different. Yeah. Um, you know what this reminds me of is, yeah. uh, I don't know what your schedule has been, but for all the years I've been in ministry, that's like 36 years of full-time ministry, some years of part-time before that. Uh, basically, I've had one day off a week. Yeah. That's Monday. Right. Monday is my day off. Yeah. And some things you might want to do on your day off are closed on Monday anyway. Yeah. It's not a great day. But uh, I have rarely had two days back-to-back yeah. off. and. Almost everybody in my church has Saturday and Sunday off. And like you were just saying, if they decide, hey, let's go to the mountains, they'll leave Friday night, sure. come back Sunday night. I can never do that. No, I, I can't do that. Now, more recently, 
I used to work Saturdays, and I would work at least half a Saturday and sure. often a longer Saturday. Now I'm getting so I don't do too much work on Saturdays. Nice. I'm an old man. Yeah. You know, I need my rest. So I'm taking off Monday and Saturday. So nice. I do have two days off, but they're not back-to-back. No. No, and it, it I would love – yeah, I'd love to have. And somebody yeah. will say, well, why don't you take off Monday and Tuesday? Well, because there's staff at church working sure. on Tuesday, and I need to be involved, and I need to start getting meetings from the week done and so sure. on. So can't do it. Yeah, and plus, Steve, there's always, as you know, uh, it, they, they tend to come in seasons and clusters. There's the uh, the phone call that could come at any time mm. of a crisis, an emergency. Breaks um, your heart. That, that sort of thing. Uh, I've mentioned this before, dude. Mother's Day is, I mean, every one of Lisa's Mother's Days have sucked for four years. And then figures, like like three years. I mean, I mean dude, here's Mother's Day at our house. Because, you know, we got, we got three services. Oh, um, man. I got to be here at church at 7.30, quarter to 8.00. Uh, and Lisa is not a morning person. She's a night owl, so she likes to sleep in. But with our younger kids, or they have been young for most of the last, you know, 15, 17 years, um, it's a big deal. And I, I want them to know Mother's Day is, is special. We want to do it. So it's almost as much for the kids. Mother's Day is basically scrambling around early in the morning, getting my tired, sleepy kids up out of bed, yeah. shoving coffee and a pastry on a little tray with some cards and gifts. Uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, on on Lisa's lap while she's in bed, saying, "Okay, honey, love you. I'll see you at church. Yeah, see you. See you in five hours." So, dude, like three years ago, I said, "You know what?" And I told the church, "I said my wife has the worst Mother's Day." And, and, and the church was great. I said, "I want somebody to remind me next year. I'm taking off Mother's Day. I'm not going to mm. be." Here. And people reminded me, dude, that was the year uh, Lisa's mother, my dear mother-in-law, moved into a. Uh, condo the settlement was that weekend huh. unavoidable so mother's day was not you know it wasn't anything it, it wasn't the most pampered day hmm. so i gotta get that back on the calendar dude yeah um, good idea so you know there there's there's that kind of thing let me uh branch out from this because this relates um that maybe people don't necessarily think of sometimes with pastors uh how do we do this um uh, how do i approach this subject um Maybe under pastoral limitations, emotional fatigue. Um, <clears throat> have you ever had this experience, Steve, where I, I understand, number one, in, in a church, you and I both served in uh, multi-staff churches where there might be different pastors, different church leaders, uh, etc. Um, but you're the main preaching guy, Steve. I'm the main preaching guy. I have found people generally want the main preaching guy for brain-picking Idea sharing, yeah. counsel, etc., and and I kind of get that. Yeah, you know that's the guy they see, etc. Um, let me start with me, and you tell me if you feel this way. I feel, and sometimes it's almost panic attack oriented. Like I am a perpetual disappointment to everybody in my congregation. (laughs) No, come on. Really? Because I have spent time with some people and no time with other people. So I think, okay, the people I've not spent time with at all, I'm like the world's worst pastor. Uh, The people I've spent some time with, I always feel like, oh, am I giving them enough? Or are they feeling like I'm just trying to avoid them? And and, uh, that's something, Steve, that after 20 years of doing this, has begun to take a toll on me where I find myself more introverted wow. and often fatigued. I'm going to play Sigmund Freud. Please. Was your mother always disappointed in you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> Let me tell you this. When you're a C-minus, D-plus student all through middle school and high school and your brother was the valedictorian, oh, there's a whole lot of dysfunction, something there. dysfunction junction going on at Thanksgiving. But yeah. Yeah, I just uh, share that with you to see, uh, can you relate? See, I don't feel that burden. Ah, okay, good. I really don't. Yeah. It's not that I'm uncaring, and I'm, uh, I, I think you are actually very extroverted. Uh-huh. I'm very extroverted. I love people. I'm energized by people. I love being around people. So uh, I, I want to be with people, any of the people, all the people, almost all the people. Yeah. There's a few nutcases. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I don't think I've ever thought, oh, man, I'm, they must be disappointed in me because I met with that one and I haven't met with them. I, I, here's Okay, here's in a limited way where that has happened. There'll be maybe a new young couple. They come to church. They're excited about it. They invite Debbie and me over for dinner, and we haven't reciprocated yet. You're, well, that's a big one. I feel that. Uh, that's a big one. Yeah. Well, and, and for – well – no, I'm not going to share that one. Uh, would be really interesting, but that that yeah, I better get don't permission. go there. I better get permission on that one. Um, 
Yeah, that's that's a tricky one. And I, I have said as soon as your church is beyond maybe 40 or 50 people, um, which which both of ours are, uh, it is difficult. Like uh, Mark Sweeney and I, our, um, our XP here, have talked about this and said, man, we have three full-time pastor guys here, me, Mark, uh, Sean, our, our new youth guy. Um, if each of us committed to uh, see a family a week in the church, either have them over, go out with them, etc., uh, it would still take like a year and a half, yeah, I think we figured three out, years or to, something. to hit everybody. Mm-hmm. So obviously, I don't want there to be license to, to, to say, well, that's why we don't bother doing it. But how do you teach the congregation a, a, just a, an earthy realism that that can't happen? Can't be with everybody. And you just can't do it. Yeah. And even if we did, to be equitable and fair, like you'd see the pastor once every 18 months in that kind of setting mm-hmm. if they committed to see everybody in the church. Uh, now, see, I'm thinking most of the people, probably in your church and my church, yeah. get it. I do, too. They get that. They don't really expect a, me to be there with them all the time. It's and, a handful of people yeah. that maybe do have that expectation. that, and, and some of it, I call this the Mitford syndrome. Do you, do you know <laughs> what, the, uh, what the Mitford series is? <laughs> no, I don't. It's, um, oh, who's the author? I, some of our listeners will tell us. It's it's sort of the um, almost the, Harlequ- the harlequinized pastorate, the little country church huh. pastor. It's the Mitford series. My wife's read a couple of the books. They're clean. Tend to think a lot of ladies like them. I think chicks dig them, uh, and uh, it's um, it, it, it's sometimes where you get the impression uh, it, from time to time. I've had people that have come in maybe from a smaller church or a church where they just had an unusually close relationship with the pastor. Yes, yes. and they they expect they that from expect you. They it. demand. They're not going to be happy they're, unless they, they have that. Happy. And they want your attention. They want to be your best friend. And I I normally wimp out and I give it a shot. Uh, for a while, and then I know I'm, I can't sustain it to the level of expectation that maybe yeah. I think they, they, they might have. And you almost want to say, but it sounds so callous, you know what, you're not going to be happy here. You know, and I don't want you to just be miserable 18 months and then say, I haven't been cared for, just... But that's a hard thing. So and then you I mean, say, let me send you over to Steve Hartland's church. Right, is that exactly. what you do? That is what we do. <laughs> um, no, but uh, th- there was a dude in this county, uh, Steve, uh, again, don't have his blessing to Sarah, so I'll keep it uh, anonymous. He uh, left several years ago, planted a church elsewhere in the state. Um, I, I couldn't do this myself, but I got what he did when he was having his informational meetings uh, at the start of the new church. Because of his previous church experience, he said to everybody coming into these informational meetings, I'm not going to be everybody's friend. And I've always man, I get why he's saying that, but I just couldn't say it. Yeah, not like that in that yeah. setting. That doesn't sound too no, good, does No, no, it? it just... Um, yeah. It's it's always tricky and uh, oh well as we move from topic to topic again this domino relates I think I asked you this privately one time so I'll put you on the spot here it's not that hard I've read two schools of thought on this um, when should pastors be available to meet with people um, one school of thought is kind of whenever it's convenient for those people they're in your church they're givers uh, presumably they're contributors I don't just mean money but their life their energies their time. Um, they're very involved. They've made an investment, a commitment to you to care for you pastorally. And obviously we have a commitment that we reciprocate. We, we care for them or, or, or we should. Uh, so one school of thought is you just make whatever, which means pastors going to be out on a lot of nights. You're going to be going a lot of weekends. You might miss literally games. You might miss, uh, events with your family, some traditions, etc. The other view, and I've been reading this more recently on some blogs, etc. um, and I'm really undecided on this, Steve, and I don't have a, 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 a cohesive theory yet, but people will, um, certain pastors will say, hey, um, dentists, doctors, attorneys, they say, hey, these are my hours that you can meet me. And if it's important enough to you and you deem it of considerable importance, your dental care, uh, your financial care, or your spiritual care You'll make that commitment at uh, 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. Yeah, they'll even take off work to go to the and dentist or whatever. Work. And um, I I know some pastors that live and die by that and say, that's what I do. That's what I tell people of their series. Um, just your thoughts on that. I, I, I kind of go back and forth on that. Yeah, I don't think there is one answer. Yeah. There's no one size fits all. I think it depends on where you are in life. Like, for example, I'm in a different place than you are. Sure. My kids are grown and gone. 
There's Debbie and me. She works part-time at a Wegman store. She's in the cheese shop yeah. about a mile from our house. So I'll look at our calendar. We sync our calendars on our iPhones. I can look at her calendar, and I'll see she works Thursday night. Yeah. So that's so, a great night to meet. So, yeah, so if people are asking me, can we meet? Can we yeah, meet? And I'll say, sure. oh, yeah, man, Thursday, Thursday. Yeah. I'm open all night. You know. Yeah. So I got you from 6 to 7.30, and I got them from 7.45 to 8.15 or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. So I'll pick nights where she's at. You don't have that. Sure. And you've got kids at home. Even if Lisa was out, then you have to be home because right. the kids are there. Right. Um, but uh, here's something I have to do. I, I'm sure you do, too. Uh, Sunday's always coming, right? Yeah. Sunday's always coming. And I know people might be upset at me if I didn't get to meet with them. But I know a lot of people will be upset at me if my sermon sucks. Sure, yeah. Right? Yeah. So that is a priority. And I need certain blocks of time uninterrupted oh, to dude. get that thing up and running and polished and in good shape and ready to go. And as we get farther along in the week, it starts getting critical. So I pretty much try not to meet with people like Thursday and Friday yeah. when I'm blocking out time. Or maybe I just have one meeting in there somewhere. So when people ask me, invariably after church, people come up to the front, can I meet with you this week? Right. And I hate to do this. Because they think I'm putting them off. I assure them I'm not putting you off. But I tell them, I need to have my calendar open in front sure, of me to of answer that. Yep. Can yep. you email me, please? I do the same. And then I can look at my calendar and see what fits. Because I don't want to say, yeah, I can meet with you. And then I get in trouble and I don't have that block of time I need for next Sunday's sermon. Absolutely. Dude. So I'm always wrestling with yeah. that. I'm, I'm glad that you say that, Steve. And I bet you feel the way I do. It, it's a hard thing to explain. Um, <clears throat> Again, to your earlier point, I know uh, yeah, a welder can say this, an engineer can say this. There's things about their job you and I will never understand either. I know that. But because this podcast is devoted to sort of inside baseball with pastors, there's my <laughs> – at least always says, I die the death of a thousand qualifications. So um, I, uh, I qualify, qualify, and never get oh, around to so it. Good. So I will, I will say it here. Um, now, I know somebody who does that. You don't, believe me. Okay. you got to meet this guy. Yes. Anyway. Well, I uh, would much rather have two hours um, with a text, notepad, commentary, thought, however you're, you're kind of in your craft zone, uh, preparing your mind and the, the actual body of the sermon. Give me two hours uninterrupted as opposed to four hours where there's two or three interruptions. Do you feel that way, Steve? Oh, Stan? totally. Uh, I, it's totally. the hardest thing to explain. Yeah. I could have an eight-hour block, and if in that eight hours there were maybe four knocks on the door or phone calls, short, it's, it's it all ruins gone. it. Yeah, it was it, worthless time. There's a momentum. Absolutely. There's a zone that you get into. Yep. Um, and it's very, very tricky. And, yeah, I always want to say that, too, um, because we're talking about that on our elder team right now, me preaching a little bit less so that my preaching is better. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I feel some fear of man issues there sometimes too. Because mm-hmm. oh, well, what are you doing slacking off? And it's like, well, I want to, I want to preach better, um, and sometimes to study uh, maybe every fourth or fifth, sixth week without the gun of the deadline to your head. Uh, that sounds amazing. Is, is easier, and uh, not all pastors can do. It. We're at a point I can do it a little bit less. Um, how, how much do you preach, Steve? How much have you? preached on average percentage-wise. I always say, um, we say in our church, there's 54 preaching, all congregational preaching venues. The 52 Sundays tend to be Christmas Eve um, and Good Friday at our church. Occasionally we might have something else. So there's 54. How many of those might you typically do? Uh, it's not uncommon for me to do all but five of those. Wow. Wow. So wow. I'm, I'm doing so a like lot. 49 out of 54. Yeah. Now, when we still had Brent on staff, yeah. maybe I did a little less of that then, sure. but he's no longer here and yeah. I'm, I'm going to be doing more, uh, which is fine with me. Yeah. Life is different when you don't have kids in the home anymore. Yeah. And when your wife works part-time out and so on. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, uh, Thursday mornings and Friday mornings are like the laws of the Medes and, per- Medes and the Persians. You yeah. do not, please do not interrupt me then. Right, right. Yeah. I've got to have those big chunks of time then. Yeah. And when I used to pastor out in Riverside, California, there was a guy in the church. I could always tell when he was laid off. Yeah. Because he'd come and knock on my office oh. door and he wanted to talk. <laughs> yeah. And man, he'd show up like right in the middle of that time. And it, like you were just saying, it would just ruin it for him. I and I wanted to be nice. I, you know, the poor guy, let him in. We'd talk for a while and he would want to talk theology forever. Yep, sure. Um, sure. And it's hard to get him out the door. Man, I've got to have those blocks you, you do. Un, uninterrupted. You do. You, you, you just have to. I, um, <clears throat> I Steve, right now uh, have been feeling that a little bit with 
um, at our church because we have a small building. And as you know, we have three services. You preached them fairly recently. Uh, we'd love to have a building where we just had one service. Maybe yeah, someday it's great. coming, or at least two. Um, I'm just so emotionally, mentally spent uh, that I will, um, and I do it, and we've we've wrestled with this on an elder level. Do we talk about this with the congregation, um, or does it uh, potentially make People it have no idea how spent you are after no. preaching three times. No, and I will come into my office, and normally I eat like uh, uh, in between each one. Sometimes you only have 15 minutes, and sometimes I'll tweak a point. More often than not, I kind of come in here where we are podcasting, and you know, I've wondered why is that? Like you and I could do yard work for three hours straight, know, and we'd be all right. It's, it's strange. But I think there's just the intensity of mental effort involved yeah. in producing a good sermon for yeah. people on your feet. Yeah, it just it destroys you. It does, and it's it's emotional, it's relational, it's um, tough. And then uh, I just know um, if I am hanging around after the service, uh, I'm shot. I mean, yeah. I'm already pretty shot. They're and, going to be talking to a zombie. Yes, yes. And it's uh, <laughs> often I'm thinking about. And what I find is, man, the third one, dude, is brutal to try to get your mind back. Mm. Okay, done it twice now. Uh, and then it's almost this weird, um, almost uh, uh, you, you feel disingenuous because, man, I was pretty emotional at this point. But your emotions are kind of spent. <laughs> I'm dry now. But you do kind of want to give the same experience uh-huh. uh, to all three versions of your congregation in, in, in a given week. That's a little unique just to our situation right now. But uh, I would say Lisa and I are in a great place about that. In the earlier years, I think it was harder for her because she wanted, uh, and as she, my, kind of my full attention on a Sunday afternoon, went through the Sunday morning thing. And a lot of times it was about church. Oh, did you have any interesting conversations? Uh, who did you talk with? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, What did you get into today? And um, we will um, we'll have these conversations, uh, Steve, and I'm just like a pile of mush. I have nothing to say. Um, <laughs> and I think it would frustrate And I think she has understood. Ask me tomorrow, baby. Tomorrow. Right so now I'm a vegetable. Now pretty much you go home and I just, man, I just chill. Yeah. And just kind of cry. And I'm, I'm good for now. I can't have a serious yeah, conversation you got to. about anything. Yeah. You know, so eat, and it, it used to drive Lisa nuts because sometimes it was just the schedule for that week. Oh, no, on Tuesday, did you want to do this? And I'm like, uh, 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 whatever you say, baby. Monday morning, it's a little more focused. So it's good. Man, some years ago, uh, in that same church where that guy would be laid off and come into my office and talk to me, uh, we had a early Sunday morning service, then a later Sunday morning service. Then we had an evening service, which was a totally new, different sermon. Yeah. So there were two different sermons to prepare every week, two different sermons to deliver on Sunday. And by the end of that day, yeah, dude. oh, my brain was so toasted after wow. just two separate sermons. Can, can I just say my hat's off? I mean it in the most encouraging for yeah. those pastors that do Guys the Sunday night. Guys are doing night. that. Dude, by the way, I'm never doing a Sunday night service. Yeah. I, I, I just don't even. even to, just to try to be fresh and energetic oh. and witty and creative and a little funny and warm. And, yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's, it's, I know some people had a tradition where they liked it. Might work for some church. Might work for some people. It might. Yeah. I just know for us, it's not something that's ever going to be in the cards. Yeah, not me. Anytime soon, for sure. Uh, we're about winding down. Uh, see, this has been a fun kind wow. of just freewheeling back and forth. I, I hope it's been maybe of some interest to the um, listeners, particularly those that just think, "Hey, might be nice." I, I might have a little glimpse of what you know my pastor feels, and feel free to share some of these. Uh, um, uh, these thoughts, uh, uh, audience, with your pastors and say, hey, I heard two pastors talking about such and such. They might say, I have no idea what those boneheads are talking about. <laughs> or they might. You know, I'd, I'd almost be uh, be curious. But anything else, Steve? Here's an opportunity that you said, here's something I rarely get to talk about, but blah. Thank you. I wanted to bring this up. <laughs> I don't know that it's something I would rarely get to talk about. I have mentioned this here and there before, but... Um, uh, here, here's here's a uh, little paraphrase of a verse of scripture. I, I respect scripture, yeah. but I think we can have a little fun with it yeah. judiciously sometimes. So I, I think we could say where two or three are gathered together, there you have some weirdos. Yeah. <laughs> or where two or three are gathered together, there's going to be trouble. Yes. Where two yes. or three are gathered together, somebody's going to get mad. Yes, yes. So you know, we've got hundreds of people gathered together, right? Your church does, my church does. And what uh, other guy in my church works in an organization where he's got hundreds of volunteers who show up every week and expect things of him. Yeah. 
most of the guys I know work with one or two other people. Right. You know, they're accountable to somebody. They work beside somebody. Yeah. Or a lot of them work pretty much alone. Yeah. My kids do. They have their own offices. They work pretty much alone. Um, man, people who haven't been in it just have no idea what it's like trying to work with a whole pile of volunteers, yeah. each coming with expectations for you, expectations for the place, just trying to figure out, you know, be the pastor and trying to deal with people and figure out what is the correct volume right. for worship. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. It's wow. impossible. I know. Uh, I know. And there's so many things where there's so many opinions and you're pulled in so many directions. Yeah. You don't understand that unless you're in that. I agree. And it's one of those things. It's the truth. See, right. Whenever you open your mouth, assert something, make a statement, whether in a sermon, in a meeting, give an opinion, you you learn over time. Man, I just yeah. uh, I just pissed off a whole bunch of yeah, people. Yeah, you're moving towards someone with that statement, <laughs> yeah, and you're and moving away right. from someone with that statement. Yeah, and um, I'll tell you, Steve, for me, what it's been, and I, I think God has done a continued work. Um, a guy who struggles with, uh, I mean, I just I always here's my goal when I was a, a young guy. Um, before I went into the pastor, I wanted to like everybody and be liked by everybody. Yeah, me too. And I think you've said we're the, the same, same thing. kind of people, and uh, not the that's ideal true. profession for <laughs> yeah, that. That's right. Huh? Um, and huh. that's that's tough uh, because I sometimes I do I sometimes covet like oh man this guy gets to be kind of removed from this sticky controversy and situation. Kind of can play the, uh, do you know what I mean by this? The Switzerland. Yes. But, you know, I don't really know enough about the situation. Yes. I'd love to be that guy. Yes. But you can't be that guy because yes. you have to uh, you know, be in that. And that, that comes with the uh, the territory. But it, it, it can get tough. You know, now that you say that, here's another thing I've often kind of wanted to be. I look at other guys and pretty much at the end of their work day, they can look at what they worked on and what they accomplished. And there it is. It's done. Like, let's say, you, you know, you're a plumber. I put in those pipes. I fixed that yep. sink. I did that. And uh, I used to have jobs like that way sure. back when, you sure. know, I had a construction jobs and whatever. At the end of the day, the thing is standing. Yep. The roof is on, whatever. My job is so nebulous. I know. I you know? know, at the end of a long Sunday, what did I really accomplish? <laughs> I what, who was helped? What changed? Uh, I don't know. You don't know. Yeah. Dude, I, oh, we are. I may have said this to you before, or maybe on this podcast before. I love when Lisa texts me a list. Like honestly, if, if I were leaving home tonight and she said, "Honey, I want you to go to the grocery store and get these twelve things," dude, I put I take my iPhone, yeah. put my headphones in, yeah. I listen to my favorite songs, and I just go up and down the aisle. And I can't explain it. it's therapeutic. Isn't that nice? Oh, the bread. Uh-huh. Okay. It's objective. Check. It's Done. clear. It's simple. Oh, honey, I. Yeah. Every, well, it's never happened where I've gotten everything. But in my mind, I came close. I almost got everything. But uh, I, honestly, mowing the lawn sometimes yeah. feel wow. Th- there was a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. Um, and and uh, it's, it feels good. You know, something else is I, I don't mean this. This is not an arrogant statement. It really isn't. I don't mean this in any kind of a demeaning way. But um, I've worked a lot of other kind of jobs. Yeah. And they were all so easy. Right. And the ministry is so hard. Yeah. Yeah. It's so complex. There's so many things swirling in all directions all the time. And just sermon prep and delivery is tough. You know, just imagine you you kind of you write a term paper every week. Yeah. But it's not just a term paper. It's got to be something you can stand up and deliver without looking at the notes much and it needs to be It's got to be inspiring. Informative, inspiring, engaging, entertaining, uh, funny, uh serious, heart-moving. Yeah. Uh it's got to be all that stuff and you have to do it week after week after week after week fresh. Oh, man, yeah. it's just mentally challenging. It is. It like, is. I'll just tell you something funny. Do we have time? Oh, sure, sure. So uh, this has never happened before, probably never happened again. Don't get the idea of my hearers in my church that I just do this all the time. But last week, I got a call from a guy I know who's a PI, a private investigator. And he said, hey, man, uh, you know, the Freddie Gray ruling is coming out today. Now, for those of you who aren't part of Baltimore, you might know there was a you know, a, a young man named Freddie Gay, Freddie Gray, pardon me, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and uh, his life ended while in, in a police van getting a ride to the station, and there's been a big challenge over that and, and lawsuits and stuff. So the ruling was coming out at the courthouse downtown that day, and this guy wanted to know, could I join him in working for a security company that day? And uh, we, our job would be to protect news crews there. Oh, my goodness. So I thought, this sounds like fun, wow. man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I want to wow. do that. So I spent uh, 
seven and a half hours as a security guard. Dude! As an armed security guard, in fact. Wow. Um, and protecting news crews in a really volatile situation. And I thought it was going to be exciting. Dull. It was the most boring day of my freaking life, wow, man. Wow, wow. I basically stood in like in one 10 foot stretch of sidewalk yeah. and paced it and paid attention to people and got in between this guy and that guy sometimes for seven and a half hours. Wow. And then I could have stayed all night and I said, that's it, man. I'm out of here. here. I'm man. going home. So wow. I, I went home and thought, man, my job is so difficult and complex compared to that. And I'm glad it is. Right. Right. I like it to be mentally engaging sure, and challenging. Absolutely. But yeah. it's hard. You yeah. don't realize how hard the ministry is yeah. unless you're in it. Yeah, and it's always ongoing. You're right. It's always nuanced, complex. Uh, there's always subplots emerging yeah. at any time. And in the middle of it, you're right. I think I love what you said, Steve. This is probably unique, more, a little more to preaching pastors. Uh, not that youth pastors, uh, admin pastors, ex- uh, uh, exec pastors don't have their own issues. I know they do. Uh, but there is that, that sermon's always coming. Always and come. It's, Sunday's it's, always a day away. Yes. And I, I've learned, uh, like I tell people, look, this is the best counsel that I can give you because I, I put the most time into it. I'm not saying I can't give some counsel sitting here one-on-one, but uh, I generally tell people I, I'm not going to be as effective um, in that role. For me, mm-hmm. at least, I don't think that is my primary gifting. Same here. Uh, and so I'll say, but but I'm trying to put it into that, which is for your benefit too, I hope. and and, uh, and I Should correct. be. So, um, well, Steve, this was great, man. I, I thought it was great. I Fun hope, time. Please let us know, audience. This was episode 99. <laughs> You're going to hear Mr. Hartland next, next week, along with a few other regulars on this podcast. Some haven't been on for a while. For our 100, 100 episode, baby. 9.30 p.m. Eastern, July 5th. Tuesday. Look out. Be looking for Twitter and Facebook. We're going to be blasting out over the weekend going into Tuesday, July 5th. The phone number for people to call in. Dude, got bad news Live for you. call in. It has been confirmed. The Reverend James King has said he's calling in. Oh. So he may be able to take us apart and, live. And this time it wasn't Dave Shive leaking it no, to him. No, no, We leaked it. Yeah, he, we leaked he, it and he he's bit. on it. So uh, we are pumped about that. The next time we're on, it will be live. And if you miss it live, it's fine. I wonder if we need security here on that night. (laughs) Dude, I knew who I'm looking to that night. (laughs) Well, James King and his men might show up. You know, We better be ready. We see some guys out there. And uh, here, this will be the telltale sign. They pull up uh, in pickup trucks (laughs) that have uh, gun racks with fishing poles in them. And maybe a Confederate flag in the back window. Then we know. We... uh, We've really we got a fight in our hands. We've hit the big time at that point. <laughs> uh, but, Steve, thank you for joining us for these two podcasts. That Pleasure, man. came out a little later this week. Uh, Steve, we just rocked the cast. Rocked it. These go to 11.